Brett Yormark speaks on the future for the Big 12 and what he plans to do for the conference moving forward. We'll get into that. And also, it's time for your guys' questions. A lot of good ones on hoops and football. We'll answer them all on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, the motto is your team every day, and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A lot to cover ahead on today's show. Going to start off, though, with a look at the Big 12, and Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark was at, oh, I guess we call it opening night of the Big 12 basketball tournament and sat down with the media. I believe it was about 15 or so minutes that he took questions from the media. Some very interesting comments came out of it. Nothing explosive. Let's be very clear about this, but gives us, I think, more of an insight as to what to expect from uh, Mr. Yormark as well as uh, what the future for BYU and the Big 12 should at least look like under his direction. Uh, first thing he said, qu- he quote, exploring every little possibility, unquote, for adding new members to the conference. Obviously, there's ongoing rumors about the Big 12 potentially rating the Pac-12. Do they go and snipe a program like San Diego State out from underneath the Pac-12? There's a lot of that. And I think Brett Yormark, he's doing his due diligence to look at all options uh, for his conference. Uh, He adds this, I love the composition and makeup of this conference going forward. I love the four new schools, including BYU, that are coming in July and the continuing eight. I think we're in a great place, but but if there's a chance to get better, it's incumbent on me as the commissioner to explore those possibilities, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Folks, this is exactly what should be uh, just singing hallelujah, speaking of you as Cougar fans. This guy gets it, and he knows that branding, uh, the just overall uh, power base of this conference is going to be important for him to establish and also continue to reestablish as often as possible. Does that mean he has to go and add new members? Not necessarily, but this is a guy who is forward-thinking. That's what I love about what Brett Yormark has brought to the table. He's only been in the job, I think he said, seven months now, but it's absolutely incredible. He uh, talked about Gonzaga and the potential for a basketball-only member. He said, I like Gonzaga, obviously a great program. My focus right now is to see what happens throughout our industry. There's a lot of moving parts. I have to continue, I have to, I continue to have conversations with Gonzaga, but I think as I prioritize what our next move might be on expansion, there's other things right now that I'm focused on. So Gonzaga is not the next program to join the Big 12, nor did I necessarily expect them to be, but... He's got his eyes on something else out there, folks. Is that one of the four corner schools that the Athletic reported uh, that they have renewed a negotiation, not negotiations, uh, conversations with Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools? Only time will tell. I'll go back to what I said on yesterday's show. I was told by somebody that Arizona and uh, Colorado seem like the most likely of any of those schools to make the jump, but uh, only time will tell if that ultimately can come to fruition. Now, he also adds this. Um, when it comes to adding a new member, he says this, quote, it's got to be a good cultural fit first and foremost. We have a like-minded board and like-minded institutions, so we don't want to compromise that. Whoever comes in ultimately, there needs to be a cultural fit. Now, here's the thing about this. I, I know he has to uh, say that the cultural fit, to me, it's 
less about, I think, culture than just understanding what this conference is about. This conference understands, I, I think they are uh, as self-aware as anybody, BYU among them. They're, no, they're not the most glamorous conference out there. They are, they're not the conference that has the big bad bullies on their roster. That belongs to the SEC and the Big Ten. There's, I don't think we, I have any problem saying that myself, but I don't think any of you should have problems saying that either. The one thing about the Big 12 it should pride itself on is, I think, in essence, becoming that blue-collar conference, the conference that when you go up against a Big 12 team, you're going to feel it moving forward, speaking in any sport, most notably, obviously, football, because that's the driver of this. But th- this needs to be a conference that, yes, we may not be have the sexy name. We may not be the flashiest programs out there. But what we are is we're hard knows and we're going to make sure that you know what we're all about and we're going to go play good football. That's that's a really important thing I think uh, for the Big 12 to have an identity like that and that's just my uh, personal thought on what the identity should be for the conference. He also talked a little bit about the Fox and ESPN deal that he signed. He says, we live in such an unpredictable world and it was important to have some clarity and stabilize the conference. I thought the best way to do that was to get a deal with ESPN and Fox. Thankfully, they were willing to go early when we found common ground and we're just thrilled we were able to do it. Because if you think about where we're at today, seven months into the job, we're in a different, very different place than we were three, four months ago. You think about these media companies and the layoffs and some of their challenges and the fact that we're able to cement a six-year extension with two of the biggest media partners in the business that truly truly elevate and glamorize our conference in every way possible, unquote. This guy, and I, I go back to the analogy, and I think you absolutely know it. Speaking of Andy Stables, I don't know how many of you listen to his podcast. It's part of the Athletics uh, Network of podcasts. He talked about this. It goes back, man. I, it's weeks ago at this point. But he said that, in essence, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 were essentially three-star linebackers. Like, go back to my analogy. They're not the sexiest name out there. A three-star linebacker is a pretty average athlete. But there were two three-star, three-star linebackers, and in essence, the media company, speaking in this case, ESPN and Fox, they were like a college football program who had a two these two entities these two players in the analogy that they're evaluating both of them three-star prospects have only got one spot for those players well the big 12 was the player that the the this conference or the, these networks called up and said, hey, you, you want to take that spot? The Big 12 said, absolutely, we'll jump in right now. The Pac-12 kind of hemmed and hot on it, and as soon as the Big 12 took that spot, they're like, hey, we actually want to take that spot. And the, the these media companies, most notably Fox, said, we already gave away our spot at your SOL. So it's... The more I read and learn about Brett Yormark, I'm just absolutely astonished at how forward-thinking, how expansive-minded he is. This is a guy, and I don't want to come off necessarily as a fanboy, but I'm really impressed with the way that he has operated in his early run here as the Big 12 commissioner. I am hoping and planning to go to Big 12 football media days in July, and it is my hope that at some point I get to sit down with him or at least ask him some questions and talk about what the future of the Big 12 looks like. Because, like I said... I'm very impressed in the early returns of what he has done for the Big 12 Conference. And you as a Cougar fan out there going into this conference, you should be very thankful this guy is making sure that this conference is as stabilized as it possibly can be. Could that all come down in a very quick succession? Yeah, sure it could. But the nice part is, at least on the surface right now, everything with the Big 12 looks as stable as it possibly could have been. And it's not that long ago. We're not that far removed from the Big 12 being in this circumstance that the Pac-12 finds itself 
yourself right in, uh, where you're always hearing about conferences potentially uh, picking off members of your conference and your conference, in this case, right now with the Pac-12 and the Big 12 not too long ago, potentially going the way of the earth. So it's a very, very good spot and stable spot to be in. And the nice part about the Big 12, they're, I guess, unappealing or not, I don't know how to say this correctly. The, the fact that these 12 schools, yeah, they're not as appealing to other conferences, so that's going to keep them tied together, but it's also going to let this conference form an identity around these 12 members and any others that might come into the conference. And like I said, the identity should be, we are that blue-collar, middle-of-the-country uh centric obviously they're going to be in the west coast and also on the east but the nice part is this conference should have the identity that hey we're gonna we may be playing some of these pretty boys every so often but you know what we still play good quality football and we can establish ourselves hopefully down the road as the third best conference behind the sec and the big 10 and hold our own uh when it comes to playing in those games all right so just i I was really like i said i was really impressed with what brett yormark had to say and i continue just to uh really really enjoy how he is going about his business He, he He's brash, he's boastful at times, but he's also, he's a a smooth operator. And I I really like the way he has done things so far with the Big 12 Conference. All right, coming up here in just a minute, it's your guys' time to shine on a Thursday as we typically do. The mailbag, we open it up and answer all your questions. Some of them involved uh, with the Pac-12, the Big 12, BYU basketball, also some BYU football questions, and even some non-sports questions or non-BYU sports questions, I should say. We'll get to all of those in mere moments. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is just past us. We're in the home stretch on our way to the playoffs. March Madness is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get what they call a no-sweat first bet. It's bonus bets, free money back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain and everything beyond that. All kinds of different bets, courtesy of our friends. Over at bet, uh, uh, over at FanDuel is what I'm trying to say. The best part is they have exclusive bets. So that's also what I was trying to get out. Uh, they have like a two by three. It's two three pointers scored in the first three minutes of a game. It's a really fun, unique prop bet that you can take advantage of. And the best part is it lets you combine any of your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. If you're interested in that, don't miss out on your chance to get your no sweat first bet right now from our friends over at FanDuel. When you go to FanDuel.com/lockedon. Once again, that's FanDuel.com/lockedon to learn more now. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. Hope you guys are having a great day out there. Want to remind you guys, if you want to stay up to speed on everything going on in March Madness, check out Locked On College Basketball. It's your daily podcast focused on all things college hoops. You'll get everything uh, on the latest tournaments, uh, bid stealers, all that type of stuff. they got it covered every single day. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to your guys' questions on today's show. Let's you guys have the run of the show First off, I'll start off with Garrett here at SF Garrett on Twitter. It says, first off, I love the podcast, Jake. I've been listening to you since your days with Lemma and Ben on 960 AM. Keep it up. Now, Garrett, you have been listening to me forever, if that's the case. I started with Cougar Sports 960, which has morphed now, obviously. Uh, ben Criddle's really built it into a really nice product. I started that show, uh, Cougar Sports with uh, Lemma Harrington and Ben Criddle. Man, that was in 2012? Man, it's been a minute. So, Garrett, thank you for your support on that side of things. But he also says this, I don't want Mark Pope fired by any means, but what do you think he needs to improve on as a coach with BYU going into the Big 12? Now, there were uh, some uh, rumors out there, people saying that Mark Pope may ultimately decide to move on. I... I 
I continue to say this. Mark Pope, if he decides that he is best better served to coach elsewhere, he could look for another job at any point. That, that's that's very, very clear that he possibly could do that. Do I think that BYU is going to essentially uh, cast him out on his rear end and, and move on? No, I don't think that. I do think, though, he needs to shake up his coaching staff. He brought in Cahill Fennel last year after Chris Burgess left for the University of Utah, but he needs to turn over that staff. And I, I got nothing against guys like Nick Robinson and also Cody Feger, but the thing about this is the coaching staff needs to be jumbled a little bit. He may need to look to bring in one or two new assistants under him to revamp things there. The other thing about this is he needs to continue to try and refine how he's going about his recruiting strategy. He wants to be what these Dukes and Kentuckys and even Gonzaga is where you can bring in high-level transfers every single year, fit them in seamlessly, and go about winning basketball games. The problem is BYU's different, folks. We all know this. BYU's a unique place, and not every high-level product prospect or transfer is going to look at BYU and say, you know what I want to do? I want to go live in Provo, Utah and play hoops there. Mark Pope is a salesman. I will absolutely give him that. But there needs to be a bigger emphasis on building through uh, high school players, building up program guys, bringing guys in for two, three, four, or even five years with a red shirt and let the program be on those guys' backs. If Mark Pope is smart, and I think he is a pretty smart guy, he should anticipate that the Big 12 is going to be an absolute dogfight every single week for him and his program. What he needs to do is focus on getting guys like Dallin Hall, Richie Saunders, Fusini Troyer, these young bucks who are these freshmen and sophomores in this program, and rely on them. Supplement the roster when needed with the transfer portal, but don't turn it over every single year. You brought in 12 new faces last year on this program. To get that to gel and get to get get that rolling right away is very difficult to do, and very few programs pull it off successfully, and it, the, the it's a law of diminishing returns right now with BYU basketball. First year, great. Second, great. second year, very good for Mark Pope. Last two years, kind of falling off a cliff relative to his first two years at BYU. The, the, he needs to figure things out. He needs to turn things around. Those are probably two things I would focus on. Changing up the coaching staff a little bit but kind of get a new message into the program. But then also, uh, go about just kind of revamping your strategy about roster building because right now, it just ain't working. All right, next one coming in. I also BYU basketball related. It's Stephen Leonard, Stephen Leonard, and you're, uh, 66, saying, what would BYU ba- men's basketball roster look like if Trevin Nell had been available this past season? Uh, who wouldn't play or who would have seen less playing time? I'm letting you know I have known Trevin in person since the seventh grade. They went to the same junior high in high school. That's interesting, Stephen. I actually think that he would have uh, been a guy that probably takes a lot – some of the time, not all the time, some of the time away from some of those uh, guys like a Noah Waterman, uh, I'm just trying to think kind of that bottom end of the roster, he probably would have slotted in where he's kind of that guy coming off the bench as your sharpshooting three-man. And that's the thing about this. They need him. He's going to redshirt. He redshirted this past season. He has two seasons remaining. I expect that Trevin will remain with the program. And if that shoulder is healed up and he can work on a stroke a little bit, he can be that sniper uh, from three-point range that the BYU severely lacked at times this season. They had a decent three-pointing shooting season, much better than a year ago, but it still wasn't great, and they need to be better. Uh, so I think that he would have taken some time away from guys like Noah Waterman. Kind of Look at that bottom end of the rotation there amongst the guards, and that's probably where he would have taken most of the time away. I don't think he starts necessarily. I, I don't think that, but he absolutely would have been an option to help BYU's offense. All right, next question coming in here uh, from Dynamite at Dynamite 6371. Oh, excuse me, no. Uh, next one. I, uh, we'll get to Dynamites in a minute. Brandon Smith. 
with. Uh, saying this, uh, Top Gun Brennan, this is BYU basketball, really. the last BYU basketball one out of the way here. Do you see some transfers from the West Coast Conference being interested in BYU for the opportunity to play in the Big 12? If you had a choice, who would you take? Which scholarship spots would you give them? Well, here, here's the thing, Brennan. Uh, if Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine wasn't going to go in the NBA lottery this year, I'd probably try and get him out of Pepperdine. Aiden Mahaney, the star freshman guard for St. Mary's, a four-star prospect who lived up to every bit of the hype about him with St. Mary's, I'd absolutely get him if he had any interest. The problem is you have to work through the transfer portal. You have to wait till they go in the portal, that type of stuff. But there are a few players in the West Coast Conference I'd look at. But if I, if you could give me one guy, any of the guys in the West Coast Conference right now, and you could add them to next year's roster for BYU, it'd be Aiden Mahaney. I, I think that kid is a future superstar. And maybe he isn't necessarily an NBA prospect like a Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine is, but what he is is a just a perfect uh, player for the college ranks. He is a bonafide scorer, takes on the biggest moments, shoulders that load. I love that kid, and I think he'd be absolutely phenomenal at BYU, but sure looks like he's locked in with St. Mary's, but crazier things have happened. All right. On to the football questions now. All right, so first one coming in from our good friend BYU gal, Cougar underscore Badger. Uh, she asked this question back on February 14th. She said, gun to your head, does the Pac-12 stay together short term? She follows that up by quote tweeting it and sending it to me. All right, it's almost a month later, and the gun is pointed back at your head. Do you still think the Pac-12 sticks together? Uh, in the short term, speaking of the next three to four years, I do, uh, BYU gal. I, I really do think they stick together. Do I think beyond that I can make any uh, declaration? No, because at that point, who knows what's happening with the Big Ten? Who knows what's happening with the Big 12? But everything to me right now, my gut feeling is that the Pac-12, or I guess the Pac-10, maybe they add a couple of schools in San Diego State and or SMU. But I do think they stick together, at least in the relative short term. They get a media rights deal for the next four, maybe five years, and then they I think they see these programs reevaluate where they're at. But I, I, my gut feeling right now is that they will stick together. But the longer this continues on, there's still that chance out there that things get blown up. And that'd be very interesting to see what happens on that front. All right. Next question. Back to Dynamite's question. Says, Everybody says Utah would be able to come into the Big 12 and what we should, uh, should be able to come into the Big 12 and that we, speaking of BYU, should help them get in. I say, why not let them stay in the Pac-12 and let the Pac-12 die? Then we don't have to fight near as hard for recruits. What say you? Well, absolutely. The recruiting side of things. If uh, Utah were to be relegated to be going back to a Mountain West or a clearly uh, neutered uh, Pac-12 that's kind of morphed into a, a Mountain West West Coast, I don't know what you call it, that conference, but that would be a, a boon for BYU's recruiting prospects. But the thing about this is, uh, everything I've heard is that BYU is not going to stand in the way. Uh, not, they're not going to stand in the way. They're not going to actively uh, go against uh, keep getting Utah into the conference. They're not going to go out there and tell Brett Yormark, we don't want the Utes here. But absolutely, if, if Utah were to stick with the Pac-12, and uh, I've heard from some people that Utah has been a little bit obstinate about being a part of the Pac-12 and thinking that they're bigger than the Big 12 at points during this realignment saga. Well, if that's the case and they do stick with it, if the ship goes down, yeah, it would actually be a, a boon to BYU's chances on the recruiting front because you'd have a diminished Utah recruiting uh, not to as an elite level as they have been. That would help BYU's prospects in theory. Absolutely. So I get what you're saying, Dynamite. All right, next one coming in here. Uh, Casey Finlinson, our good friend Finn Daddy. Will you review the uh, Will you review the revenue that is tied into the Big 12 Conference TV deal and what BYU's portion will be? And then he also has this. Has BYU 
BYU added to its recruiting staff. The way I understand it, BYU is endeavoring or has endeavored to add to the recruiting staff. Do I know names on that staff? I do not. I'll have to look into that a little bit closer, Casey, to answer your uh, your last question first. Now, the other one. What is tied into the Big 12 Conference TV deal? Well, the TV revenue itself, uh, BYU's first two years in the conference is going to be roughly $18 million. But beyond that, there are cuts from the NCAA Tournament and Championships. Those are your programs from the Big 12 Conference that participate in the NCAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament and any other, any other championship out there. They get what they call tournament shares. There are uh, portions of money from that revenue uh, from those tournaments that go back to the conference and are divi- divided up amongst the conference. Does that mean that BYU is going to be raking in millions there? I, no guarantee on that, but that's a significant portion of money. The other thing about this is there's other revenue. BYU can get revenue from their ticket sales, their concessions, uh, just gear sales at the BYU Cougar store, whatever uh, you want to do uh, in terms of your support on that side of the thing can benefit BYU. But once they jump into the new media rights deal, $31.6 million is the baseline for BYU. But with those tournament shares, also other revenue paths coming into the Big 12, which I think Brett Yormark is going to look into, maybe selling gambling rights, uh, we're talking about injury reports, that type of stuff, to gambling companies to help them. That's going to be a revenue uh, push I'm sure that the Big 12 will be uh, going for because it's just money. These gambling companies are eager for that intel and obviously all the intel in terms of data that they can get. You give that to them, they'll pay you a handsome penny for it. There are going to be no shortage of options for the Big 12 and BYU by extension to make extra money and I would I'd be excited for this because BYU could be raking in somewhere around $50 million annually. They could be doing that pretty easily. And by the way, that media rights deal, it only goes up in revenue based on what I understand throughout the hit, throughout this, throughout the run of the conference uh, media rights through 2031. So $31.6 million is just the starting point. It's going up from there. So BYU is going to be coming into some really, really big money here. Now, a Wife for Life also weighed in and says, I, I'm a daily listener here. So Wife for Life, I know we've had our little quibbles on uh, Twitter over the years, but thank you for tuning into the podcast anyways. So my question is about injuries, health, and the new training program. Who are they? What is the theory and framework do they use? Will injuries continue to be a major issue at BYU or can you finally expect something different? And what is Andy Reid's son's actual job. Now, uh, Tuckinator also asked me a question saying that he's heard rumors that Spencer Reed, who is Andy Reed's son on BYU strength and conditioning staff, might be going back uh, to work with the Kansas City Chiefs. That would be news to me because Spencer Reed was essentially elevated to BYU's head strength and conditioning coach when Nuu Tafisi and Justin McClure were let go in December. Be a very quick turnaround. Three months later, he's making the jump to the NFL to join his dad's franchise, but it also wouldn't surprise me. Family comes first. So, uh, Spencer Reed essentially was running the day-to-day operations as the head strength and conditioning coach for BYU in their weight room. You also have, uh, and I talked to Kalani Sitake. You can go back and listen to the media session uh, from Monday after the first day of practice. I asked about this. You have uh, what's going on with their strength and conditioning is that they have a kind of a brain trust with Colby Clawson, Dr. Skyler Main, and Spencer Reed, in theory, were the three guys kind of chiefly working on BYU strength and conditioning program, the whole thought and theory behind it. And Kalani talked about the fact that he is looking at and they're doing as a program more individual specific uh, type lifts. Not all the defensive backs out there need to do squats every day like an offensive or a defensive lineman. But meanwhile, also offensive and defensive linemen don't need to be doing sprint drills at nearly as much potentially as a defensive back or a wide receiver. They are individualizing these workouts as much as they possibly can. Is it ever going to be perfect and they're going to have a specific strength coach for every single player? No, they just cannot do that because of the restrictions the NCAA puts on them, but 
There's been a new emphasis on individualizing the workouts at BYU, more so than they had in the past. And this is not to denigrate on Nuu Tufisi. When Nuu took over, all the rage was getting as strong as you possibly could be. Kalani talked about it early on in his tenure at BYU. We squat every day. Our guys are squatting every day. We want to be the strongest team out there. Did it lend itself to some injuries? Absolutely, I would absolutely say that it lend lend itself to injuries because when you just when you're pushing weight and doing these Olympic lifts every single day, well, it's a strain on the joints and obviously soft tissue injuries pop up that type of stuff. It caused issues on that front. And Kalani finally realized, you know what, we need to revamp this a little bit. Doctor Skyler Main and Colby Clausen, both of them, if I'm not mistaken, I know Doctor Main has it because he has the doctor title, has a PhD in sports science. These guys know down to a granular level what uh, you're supposed to do to get the peak efficiency out of athletes and they're doing their best to give BYU their best opportunity to get these athletes that they have in the program speaking of football in particular but this goes beyond that every uh, program needs this is to get the athletes operating at peak efficiency and the absolute peak of their powers is it going to pay off where there's less injuries? Injuries are always a wild card, folks. Football in particular is a wildly violent game. I did not play past the high school level, but I still have dings and dents from my time playing in high school that I'll probably carry with me the rest of my life. Do I regret playing football? Absolutely not. It taught me far more about life and different things than I would have learned in any other thing I could have done during my high school years. But there are injuries. There's and nothing major. I never tore an ACL, that type of stuff. But there are, like I said, dings or dents that I, I will carry with me. And trust me, a lot of these guys at BYU football have had multiple surgeries before they're done at BYU just simply due to the wear and tear that football takes on the body. So it's a violent game. You're never going to get rid of all uh, injuries inside the program, but the new emphasis inside the weight room, the philosophy, if you will, why for life, uh, is that BYU is trying to individualize this to lessen the impact on the body in terms of the strain and causing injuries, but at the same time, making them as strong, as fast, as limber, as flexible as they possibly can be to make them the best football players they can be. Hopefully that makes sense, and I'm, I'm hoping at some point I can sit down. If Spencer Reed is indeed going to leave BYU, I don't know what they're going to do, but if I have a chance to talk to Dr. Main or Colby Clausen, I would love to get more of that for you, Wife for Life, and we'll see if we can do that uh, on the podcast, get an inter- interview with them and get that for you guys where you can understand more about kind of the idea ideas of what they're operating with here. All right, final question here, a non-sports one before we wrap up here as our good friend Nick Lee, and I love Nick because it's always golf-related lately. Nick, you're right. Would you rather play one free round at Augusta National, obviously the home of the Masters, or get two lifetime VIP VIP passes to every Masters tournament, but you never get to play the course? Now, Nick, that is an absolute, like, wow. I've got reasons to take both of them. But I'm a guy who is about experiences and having an opportunity to actually get my hands on things and do stuff in my life. So I'd have to say... Give me that free round to play at Augusta. I've got dreams of playing Augusta National at some point in my life. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to make that happen. Bribe somebody, do something, uh, I, but I have dreams of playing at Augusta. And if you were to give me those two options, I would take the one free round to play at Augusta and be happy to sit on my couch the rest of my life, dreaming of having played that round and obviously watching the Masters every April. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll flip back over, talk real quick about the final game of the 2023 season for BYU football. 
finishing finish things out that year in ignominious fashion against uh, a program that BYU's got a decent history against. We'll talk about all of that in just a couple of moments. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, my friends, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's home, uh, excuse me, premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. The best part is they've got beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, no matter where you want to live. If you want to be in southern Utah, they've got multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes. They even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to make the move right now. And the best part is they're offering generous financing incentives to their preferred lender if you need some help on that front. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods today. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to get started there. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Also brought to you today by our friends over at UCCU. They've opened a new branch in Vineyard, my friends, and to celebrate, UCCU is giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. The new branch is offering all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's new interactive teller machine, or ITM for short, which provides all the benefits of meeting with a real-life UCCU professional either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection with a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection so to celebrate, you can do that with UCCU and enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. The winner will be announced in April. You want to get that entry deadline is March 31st. So get on it today. Just days left for you to enter to win this 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4. Stop by that new branch in Vineyard today or enter to win at uccu.com. Hurry. You don't have to be a member of UCCU to enter, though, and there is no purchase necessary. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. And before we go on this Thursday edition of the podcast, uh, just want to make you guys aware, BYU baseball is going to be in action this evening. They are in Omaha, Nebraska to take on the Creighton Blue Jays. It's a three-game set uh, set for tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. Uh, first pitch is at 5 o'clock Mountain Time this evening, 6 o'clock there, Central Time, at Charles Schwab Field in downtown Omaha. Uh, you can tune into that on uh, BYU Radio 107.9 on the radio side of things. And it looks like Flow Sports, a streaming service you have to pay for, will have a live stream of that if you want to pay for it to tune into that. All right, before we go on, on today's show, BYU finished up the 2013 season in pretty ignominious fashion. Now, Steve Sarkeesian uh, left uh, to take a new job after uh, having a decent run with the Washington Huskies. They were 8-4, and four, uh, and obviously when you have your coach leave your program, that most of the time leaves your program where guys are like, okay, we're just playing out the string here, well, let's see what happens. But BYU went up against the Washington Huskies team that was being led by Washington Huskies legend Marcus Tuiasasopo as their interim head coach, and the Huskies, to their credit, Credit. We're we're absolutely fired up for this game. Uh, it was twenty one to sixteen at halftime. This game kind of went back and forth. Keith Price was the quarterback for the Huskies in this game going up against Taysom Hill. Austin Safarian Jenkins, who played in the NFL for quite some time. John Ross had a kick return for 100 yards. Uh, I remember that game. Uh, I vividly remember actually where I watched this game. And any of my buddies who were at uh, watching this with me will remember, we had a pretty epic night at the Green Pig Pub up there in Salt Lake City watching this game. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you this. The patrons, uh, not the patrons, the, the owners, the, the staff at the 
the Green Pig when we wandered in uh, to watch a BYU football game. We're wondering what in the world are you guys talking about? But that's what we did. We had a great time. Patrons, uh, we were whooping and hollering with them, having a great time watching BYU play this game. I didn't have me- uh, media responsibilities during this bowl game. Taysom Hill ended up uh, passing for 293 yards, also ran for 133 yards, but BYU's offense just couldn't get in the end zone. Uh, Justin Sorensen had three field goals, had a four-game bowl winning streak snapped for BYU in a 31-16 loss. Just, it was kind of a disappointing game because BYU had energy in this game, and it felt like, man, if they could just get over the hump and get in the end zone, it might have changed things. But Washington just refused to let them do that. Bishop Sankey ended up running for two touchdowns for the Huskies. Uh, Jamal Williams was bottled up in this game. It was a little bit disappointing. 12 carries, 31 yards, as BYU uh, averages 3.8 yards per carry on 47 rushing attempts. So it was a tough, tough loss for BYU to finish their season. They sunk to 8-5 and five on the year in 2013. And the overall takeaway I have as I've been reading back on the 2013 season is that BYU had a lot of ups and downs that year. Obviously, the year didn't start in great fashion. They were uh, out of the gate slow against Virginia, but then get the absolutely thrilling win against Texas to start the year. But just the the... I don't know how to describe this. Just the overall tenor of the season was one of missed opportunities in a way because you lost to Utah in, in tough fashion. You had chances against Wisconsin, Notre, uh, Notre Dame as well. The biggest teams on your schedule outside of Texas, you lost to. You can probably count Georgia Tech if you want to as a big win, but I didn't necessarily expect it counted as the biggest win. But the big dogs on your schedule, that's when you struggled the most, it felt like. And 8-5, and five, kind of a... a all things, all things considered for 2013, not a bad record, but at the same time, uh, not the greatest record at the same time for BYU. But tomorrow on the show, we'll start the 2014 season. Uh, BYU obviously uh, getting things going in uh, Connecticut of all places. They went to UConn, but uh, the Taysom Hill Show uh, got off to a flying start in 2014, as many of you might recall. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. So that's going to do it for today's show. A huge thank you once again for your support of the podcast. As always, a little bit of a tease ahead to tomorrow. Malik Moore, BYU defensive back, a guy who missed uh, two-thirds of the season last year, is back for another run at a health, hopefully a healthy senior season for himself. Had a great chance to catch up with him at practice earlier this week. We'll play that on tomorrow's podcast. And, of course, anything else that comes on BYU football, hoops, uh, the Big 12 versus Pac-12 front, we've got you covered every single day right here on Locked On Cougars. So thank you for making us your first listen. Make sure you guys check out Locked On Big 12 now. Get caught up on everything going on in the Big 12 conference, hoops, uh, football, and otherwise. They do a great job over there. Check that out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.